the scripture reading for our sermon this morning comes from Luke 12, uh, verses 13 through 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man who made me a judge or an arbiter over you. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouses nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And if then you are not able to do as small a, a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, and do not seek what you are not to eat, and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. everyone. Um, Pastor Rich, you are new to our church. I want to welcome you to our church. Right now, uh, we're going through the Gospel of Luke. And if you're, if this is your first time visiting, you know, uh, we're going to be talking about money today. So, you know, you can head on out. No one's going to judge you. Um, but we're in chapter 12, right? And Jesus is addressing us about our anxiety, our concern, our stress, our thoughts, our worry about money. No one struggles with that. Irrelevant. Now, what, what would immediately uh, surprise you is actually when you read the Gospels, just how much Jesus actually talks about money, uh, talks about it more than any other single subject outside of himself, of course. I mean, he talks about it more than politics, um, marriage and family, sexuality. I mean, money, uh, he talks about relentlessly. He contrasts constantly, if you read uh, the story of Jesus, uh, money and possessions and materialism with eternity and relationships and compassion. 
I don't, I don't even know how to begin to tell you just, just how vast he does this. Uh, most of chapter 11 and 12 was about it. We're going to see 16, 18, 19. The story of Zacchaeus is only in the gospel of Luke. You see, we're going to see uh, Jesus address the fact that we all are anxious about money. We're anxious about making ends meet. We're anxious about financial security, our career, uh, our comfort, our value. And we're going to get all into this today. And, and friends, this is why, um, man, Jesus is so empathetic because the Bible couldn't be more relevant. Couldn't be more practical, more uh, down to earth, more specific, because friends, we all worry about money, plain and simple. And, and that's what today's subject is. So we're going to take a look at three things in our text. Uh, first, we're going to take a look at greed. And then second, we're going to take a look at how greed is tied to security, comfort, and value. And then lastly, we're going to take a look at how those things cause us anxiety. All right? So that's sort of the outline today. Let's, let's, let's go into greed. You know, in last week's sermon, what did we learn? We learned about these thousands of people coming to Jesus, coming to hear him preach, coming to hear him teach. It says that people are trampling over one another to hear him. And apparently... This one ambitious, driven, persistent man has gone to the front. And he gets access to Jesus. And Jesus has just finished teaching about death and eternity. You know, saying scary things like, don't fear those who can just destroy the body. Fear uh, the one who can destroy the body and the soul. That's, that's, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Uh, and this guy, he raises his hand and he says, uh, you know, Jesus, that whole hell thing, uh, darkness, separation from God, that was real cute. Um, but I'm here to talk about something a little bit more important. I want to talk about how I can get more money, right? That's this guy. He's got one shot to talk to Jesus, and what's his question? It's Jesus, I need to talk to you about money. And how does Jesus respond? He says, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? In other words, Jesus is saying, do I look like a will and trust lawyer? Like, what, what's going on right now? You moron, right? That's what he said. Verse 20, you fool, right? Jesus actually calls him that, you moron. Uh, that's not my mission. That's not my job description. Do you see? I have a limited amount of time. I'm going to save the world. Jesus is basically saying, look, this matters far more to you than it does to me. Now, some of us might get offended to hear that. Are you telling me that Jesus doesn't care about my, my financial security, my well-being? No, he does care, but friends, not in the way that we care about it, not in the soul accumulation of it, because Jesus cares far more about your relationship with him. He cares far more about your eternal destiny, the spiritual state of your heart, your family, your kids, the spiritual state of their heart, their eternal destiny. And so, friends, the question is, how much of the time are you talking to God about that? But many of us are like this man. What's on the front of our mind? Finances, wealth, possessions, stock market. That's what we're thinking about most of the time. That's what we're talking to God about a lot of the time. We come to Jesus, and what do we say? Lord, tell this recruiter to hire me. Please. I get, you know, text me, Pastor Rich, tell, I'm, I'm going to go on an interview. Please, please pray for this uh, manager, <laughs> the kindness in his heart. Tell this manager to promote me. Lord, tell the stock market to stop gyrating, right? That, that thing I invested in, Father, please don't let it bottom out. <laughs> I'm investing on the dip. Father, please. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, what am I? Warren Buffett? 
LinkedIn, right? That's what Jesus is saying, you know? Uh, some, some, some things just don't change. People are people. You know what happens sometimes when we come to church, when we come to a community group? We're so consumed with it, aren't we? Uh, we don't even notice it sometimes, just how much we're talking about it. Uh, we only care about that one thing, and we, we miss everything else that's being taught. We miss the, the, the beautiful people that God is bringing into our lives because we are obsessed with the one issue that God just simply does not care nearly as much. And that is this man's situation. And Jesus says something that shows what's uh, actually going on in this man and in this family. His parents have passed. And now uh, they're splitting up the family inheritance. And, and this man is worried that his brother is going to get more than him. This is where siblings should be grieving. They should be mourning together. They should be lamenting their loss they should be working things out. They should be wondering, hey, you need it more than I do. Instead, they're looking for lawyers. They're being contentious. They're litigating. In other words, this family is being torn apart by greed. It's a money sickness. It's a money centrality, a, a materialistic heart. So Jesus makes this point. Our text says, take care, but the Greek in that is watch out. I, I don't know why the ESV says take care. Every other translation, NIV, um, NI, uh, you know, uh, NET, they all say watch out. That's the word. And then uh, our text says covetousness, which is a synonym for envy and greed. And so what is Jesus saying? He's saying watch out. Be on guard of greed. That's what he's saying. Now, why is he saying watch out? You know, but we can't see it? Well, that's the point. Greed is not obvious to see. Greed and materialism by its very nature hides itself because, friends, you and I, we can always point to someone or something that, that, that we don't have. Someone who has more than what we have. But the number always just gets higher and higher and higher. And, and you see, nobody who is greedy feels that they are greedy. We all, all of us, we feel like we need something, don't we? Nobody who is materialistic feels like they are materialistic. You know, I had an epiphany the other day. I looked at my closet and I said, you know what? And I thought to myself, man, I got nothing to wear. And I said, you know what? That sounds really materialistic. So I'm going to throw some clothes out to make myself feel better about buying new stuff. <laughs> and, that's, that's what I, and I was like, and then I said, and I'm preaching to them, working on this. Like, oh, my goodness. Ah, oh, man, I can't buy anything now, right? Like I cut myself, right? But we don't see it. Nobody ever thinks they have enough. No one is ever content with more things, more money, right, more savings. Does that make you content? No, it doesn't. So Jesus understands this intrinsic blindness to greed, and that's why Jesus says, watch out, be on guard. You must look for it. For example, uh, there's nowhere in Scripture where Jesus says, watch out, be on guard for adultery, you know? Uh, people, you know when you're committing adultery. People know when, when, when adultery is being committed. It's not because adultery isn't as destructive as greed. It's because adultery isn't as deceptive as greed. You know? Like, you, you know, you can tell if someone's girl crazy, but, you know, we, don't, we can't really tell if someone is being wise with their money or if they're working hard or if they're greedy. 
And this is why, friends, Jesus speaks 10 times more about money for every, every one time he talks about sex. You know, spiritually speaking, sex has slain its thousands, but money has slain its ten thousands. So what does it mean to watch out? Well, friends, what do you do when you, when, you, when you are looking out for something, when you're watching out for something? You're asking yourself questions, aren't you? You're like, is it safe? What is that? I can't tell what it is. I'm going to wait a little bit. And so Jesus is saying, look, don't trust yourself with money. you got to ask yourself questions. For example, do you really need more? Is your discontentment because you have less money? Is that really why you are unhappy? What is the purpose of your life? You know, you got a short, limited time here on earth. What is your purpose? What is the purpose of your work? Is it all for yourself or is it to be a contributive employee, right, to society? You got to ask yourself, is my money changing me? Do my friends see me differently? Is it making me a better or worse person? Can I, can I give more away? Can I have more concern for other people? And that's what Jesus is saying. you got to watch out. you got to ask yourself questions. And if you don't, you are going in blind, and you're gonna, your soul is going to get pummeled. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. But last, lastly on this point, I, I just want to say greed is not synonymous with wealth. All right? You can be wealthy and not greedy. You can work hard. Actually, Jesus wants you to work hard. You can be smart. You could get promoted. You can be, uh, manage well, invest well, become wealthy, and not greedy. You're not overworking. You're not neglecting your family. You're not neglecting your health, your relationships, your faith. You have good boundaries. You're generous. You help those in need. You're invested in the kingdom and eternity. You're faithful like Abraham, Joseph. Job, Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, all who were wealthy that God blessed with wealth. But they were faithful. So greed is not synonymous with wealth. Instead, greed is, is, is the worship of wealth. That's what the Bible says. And how do you know you're worshiping it? Well, you can't stop thinking about it. You can't have enough of it. You want more and more. It's like a constant, that's, that's what you call an addiction. There are no boundaries. No one else is being blessed by it, and, and your faith is paying the price. Right? Your soul is slow, solely, uh, slowly, solely, slowly, right, is sh- shriveling up. I want us to take a look at the language in verses 17 to 19 here behind me on the screen. Uh, the personal pronoun, he, I, and my, in these three verses about the story of this man that Jesus talks about, it occurs 14 times. Right? Listen to what this man says. He's he himself, I, I, my, he, I, I, my, I, my, my, I, my, right? It's like, it's all mine. <laughs> it's all about me. It's not about them. It's not about you. He worships a trinity of he, my, and I. And the question for us is that. Is, is that it? Is it you, yourself, right? Is it I, me, my, he, like she? Like, is that all it is? There's nothing, no God, no one else in the world, Right? Uh, man, community group started this past week, and I, I just realized how much I was craving it because, you know, someone was sharing just, um, and, and in a sense that you could tell that this person was asking themselves this question, and he said, you know, like, I started coming to church because, you know, living for yourself doesn't work. It's too selfish. It cannot be the purpose of life. 
It's not how we're created. It dehumanizes you. You know, it makes you less human. It makes you more animalistic. And Jesus would say the same thing. You're gaining the whole world, but you're losing your soul. That's foolish. Now, uh, this is not a sermon on tithing, so, you know, um, but there is one point I want to make about tithing that's tied degree. Some of you are thinking, man, I knew it. The pastor's just trying to get my money, right? Just trying to get my money. I knew it. Um, well, fear not, little flock. Fear not. Okay? Um, we're not even going to have, actually, I was talking to Harry, I was like, hey, we're not going to have a time of offering today because I, I don't want you to think I'm guilt-tripping you into tithe, you know? Like, no, I'm like, I can't do that stuff. Like, I need to be really clear sometimes about things, and I hate being misinterpreted. That's like the one of the, the, the things I hate about being a pastor, you're always misinterpreted, but, you know, because, because behavior modification doesn't work, right? That's not the point of the sermon. Uh, but I, I do want to take this time to talk about tithing. I've actually never talked about tithing in the two and a half years I've planted this church. And I've gotten a lot of questions, and so, you know, here we are, and uh, it's a good time to talk about it. So what is a tithe? In, in, in Hebrew, it means a tenth. And in the Bible, right, God actually commanded his people to give three tithes. Ten percent to support the priest, ten percent to care for the temple, and ten percent to give away to the poor. And I was going to put the Bible verses up here, but for the sake of time, I didn't. But you can find this on Wikipedia, okay? Um, if you type in tithe in Google, do you know what uh, pops up as the most searched uh, phrase? It's tithe, before or after taxes. <laughs> Apparently, there's a lot of Christians who are asking that question. Well, maybe the internet will help me. Um, so the Bible, you know, the biblical tithe is actually about 30%. And it was from their first fruits, okay? So that's the very first harvest. That's their gross. Before anybody could touch it. And this is why in Luke chapter 20, I'm like, oh, I understand Luke chapter 20 a little bit more when they ask Jesus, do we have to pay taxes to Rome? We're already triple tithing to you, man. Right? That's, that's, that's what they're saying. It's a lot. You know, today, you and I, we even can't even give God from our gross, our first fruits, because, right, the government takes it first. Right? That's not a political statement, okay? So... Calm down, everyone. Calm down. Everyone always, anyways. Okay. And I learned this when I was a teenager, right? I got my first job, and I'm like, man, I'm getting, you know, whatever, $9 an hour. I'm like, that's times that by 10, 10 hours. That's $90. And I look, it's like 60 bucks. I'm like, what? Right? Money was missing. Someone named FICA took it. And I'm like, that's a, that's a new F word. Who's FICA? How do you get my money? It's a lot. So most of us don't triple tithe. Well, I don't, okay? If you do, you should be the pastor, all right? Um, come and talk to me. Most of us maybe tithe after taxes, um, but here's the point. Uh, there's two points. First, um, the tithe, the principle of the tithe, the spirit of the tithe, friends, it protects you from greed. That's what it does, okay? Uh, because... You and I, we cannot mentally guard ourselves from greed. You know, Jen and I tried that. Hey, hey, you know what? Like, let's not nag each other about what we bought. Let's hold ourselves accountable. How about that, okay? Yeah. No, it didn't work, okay? It's terrible. You cannot mentally do that. You need to physically, practically do that. Right, imagine a CFO that said, hey I, hey, I don't need any checks and balances, you know? Like, I'm just going to be very mindful that I'm not greedy. Will that work? No, that's foolish. So the tithe is a practical measure before God. It's before God. Forget about people. 
Forget about me. Forget about Harry. We don't. Even, we don't even look. We don't even have look at the. We don't see the numbers. You know that we've been guarded by the finance team, protected from that. Right. It's before you and God whether or not you're falling into greed. That's all it is. You can make as much as you want, though. God doesn't put a limit on that. Right. Praise God. Okay. Think about it. God's like, hey, I'm going to give you a promotion. I'm going to give you. You could take ninety percent of that. Wouldn't you take that? <laughs> okay. All God asks is, is 10%. is the same rate for everyone. That's a fair God. Give it to whomever. It doesn't have to be here. Find trustworthy people, trustworthy organization, trustworthy missionaries, trustworthy church plants. Spread it out. Be free from greed. And know this, that God just doesn't want to take your stuff, okay? He wants to protect your soul and your life because so much of your soul and life is connected to your stuff. You know, have you ever seen kids, you know, uh, let's say you're playing God, right, in, in Christmas, and you gift them something, and, and, and the kid's like, this is mine, right, I don't want to share it, and you're like, hey, can I, can I play a little bit with that, they're like, no, this is mine, you're like, are you kidding me, give, give me that, you guys are done, right, <laughs> like, this is tearing you apart, right, second, Second point, it gets worse, though, by the way. So in the New Testament, the tithe, is, you'll notice, is not as enforced as it was in the Old Testament because in the New Testament, um, giving is, is, is building off of the tithe with what? The principle of generosity. So instead of the command, go tithe, in the New Testament, you read all the time, be generous. What is the New Testament getting at? It's not getting at behavior modification. Go tithe. Right? Give me that money. No. It's getting at the heart. Are you generous? And the key is not, okay, I need to be more generous. That's behavior modification. It's the gospel. The, the, the gift of Jesus' generous salvation, his generosity by the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, his generosity lives inside us. His generosity he gives that generosity to us. You and I, friends, we cannot be generous by ourselves. We need that. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus needs to give us that. And so in the New Testament, giving is no longer rooted uh, in, in the command to modify our behavior to tithe. Right? It's rooted in the gospel. Uh, the heart transformation uh, where our greed turns into joyful generosity. Right? Gener generosity is not generosity unless you're joyful. And that is only brought about by the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I remember uh, when I first married Jen, you were learning things about each other. And, you know, um, I noticed whenever she got a raise or a bonus, she would say, you know, like, I'd be like, all right, let's go to Fogo or something. You know, let's go out. Let's treat ourselves. High five. And she's like, no, 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 no. We, we, we got to tithe more now. You know, we can we give it away. Who can, we, who can we give it away to? But you know what? That's the Holy Spirit, right? Like, she had more of it than me, okay? I was like, give me that Holy Spirit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. We're going we're gonna to tip the guy today. So, you know, we, we, every time, like, uh, you know, Jen gets raises and bonuses, right, um, uh, we take some time and we give a gift to our missionaries and our church plants and the church, you know? Because we, we, we pray that God would bless us to bless others. So when he blesses us, you know, um, we, take, we give God back the percentage. It's actually pretty fun. So the only time we feel like Bill Gates, you know, we're like, oh, yes, we'll write this check. Um, but here's the point, right? Whatever percentage you start at by the Holy Spirit, you want to grow more and more in generosity. Uh, if you're a single mom, of course, 
who makes nothing, anything is generous. In fact, the church, uh, the community groups, we should helping you out. You know, we should be lovingly uh, supporting you. But if you're very wealthy and you're affluent, you know, 10% is nothing, you know. Um, it's not going to affect you. And so, you know, we pray to grow by the Holy Spirit in the spirit of generosity. And so, so the point is that it's not about a percentage. That's modifying our behavior to a command. The real issue is a heart of generosity. And we can only be that when we meditate and dwell on Jesus' generosity for us. You know, it's just like, man, ugh, I can't wait to go to heaven. So, friend, I pray that God blesses you. I do. In order that you would bless others. So this brings us, let's talk about the second point here, security, value, and comfort, right? Greed is tied to three things that we'll see in this text, and that is security, comfort, and value, all right? First, we see how money is tied to our security in the story that Jesus shares. In Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 16 to 18, it says, uh, Jesus tells the story, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what will I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And what's really interesting about this is he says, he doesn't say, I will store some. He says, I will store all of it, everything, all my grain and my goods. In other words, this man is saving as if this life is all that there is and that as if he is going to live forever. His hope, his safety, his security is in this world. So God takes him. <laughs> and he says, you fool. <laughs> How's it going? Everything you saved, did it prevent you from death? Everything you've worked so hard for, Everything you bought, everything you owned, where'd it go? All those hours, all those days, all those years of overtime, what do you have to show for? See, what Jesus is saying is that the money we make, the money we spend, the things we buy and own, it's not sinful to do any of that. Not an, he doesn't, he's not making that point here. He's saying that has no sustainability. That's what he's saying. You're investing in expiring milk. And then Jesus says, but there are some things that do not expire. Right? The book of Isaiah says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. In other words, the kingdom of God doesn't end. Those of us here, we're going to be with each other forever. Spiritual fellowship will never end. So God says, be rich in that. Pass that down to your children and your children's children if you want to see them. That investment is the secure investment. It's never going to get lost. No one can touch it. That's real freedom. Real peace of mind, real security. Let's talk about comfort. Uh, the last thing this man says is, I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. So it's not just security that he's looking to money for. It's also comfort, right? Relax, 
eat and drink. Right? Is it a sin to make money? No. Is it a sin to have nice stuff? No. Is it a sin to live in a nice house? No. Is it a sin to make enough money so that you don't have to, you know, uh, get up and go to um, a nine-to-five every day? No. Is it a sin to retire? No. But here is the issue for this guy. He worships comfort more than he worships God. If there's ever a decision between God's will and comfort, he's like comfort, right? He, he desires comfort more than what God wants and desires for him. So what does Jesus say? You fool. You fool. That's not the point of life. So Jesus calls him home. And friends, this is the perennial crisis we're having even in the church. We're Friends, Christians, you and I, we're pursuing the American dream more than God's dream. And what are we worried about? We're worried about liberalism destroying the church. He who has slain its thousands, money has slain its ten thousands. And even if we retire from work, friends, we don't retire from Jesus. Right? God's will for us is not just to eat, drink, and relax. That sounds like a, an Applebee's commercial, not the kingdom of God. Well, let's talk about value. Lastly, Jesus says, uh, consider the lilies, look at their beauty, look at their splendor. Not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. And so the first kind of greed is tied to our security. The second, in comfort. The, lastly, the last thing, Jesus knows that our money can be tied to value, being valued. What does that mean? Well, some of us, we don't really look at our money for deep security. Um, you know, but we, we look at our money as a way to feel important. You know? Like, we don't care until we see, like, our friend get something. We're like, what, what the heck? Why do I feel like crap all of a sudden? You know? Like, I think I need a good car. You know? That's value, isn't it? You're fine, secure, secure like, financially. Uh, you know, you, we don't want to envy others, right? We want others to envy us. That's value. You're not going to die. Kids aren't going to starve. So even if you don't uh, care about a certain amount to be secure, and you know you're not trying to, you're not really like trying to like just be so comfortable and live lavishly. Uh, sometimes when you see others, it makes you work harder, try to buy things because you're trying to get a sense of value. You know, you're like, I want to buy things that people can't buy. I want to own things that people can't own. What does Jesus say, friends? He says, you fool. You fool. Why do you care so much about what other people think? People are foolish. Just care about what I think. Because I am greater, I am wealthier, I am more affluent, more powerful, more loving. Fear not, little flock. Fear not. All right, lastly, let's talk about anxiety. Because of our greed for more security, for more comfort, for more value, what are we? We're anxious. We don't, we're afraid. We don't use that word today. We, don't, we never say we're afraid in America. It's un-American. Can't say it. Right? Buck up. We, call, we say, I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm anxious. 
Say, no, man, you're afraid. You look, you look scared out of your mind. <laughs> right? It's the same thing. We wake up, we go to work, we live, and we die in anxiety. Let me show you a chart on anxiety and stress from the Mayo Clinic. Look at this here. Right? Muscle tension or pain, right? Chest pain. Recently, I went to the doctor the other day. I thought I was having a heart attack. They said I wasn't, right? Fatigue, stomach pain, sleep problems, anxiety, restlessness, lack of motivation or focus. That's all of us, right? Feeling overwhelmed, irritability or anger. That's me every day, okay? We say, oh, I, I, you know, oh I, it's because I don't have my coffee. That's why. No, no, no. You're stressed about money, right? Sadness or depression, overeating, undereating, angry outbursts. Isn't that the same as irritability or whatever, Mayo Clinic, right? A dr drug or alcohol misuse, social withdrawal, less physical activity, more spending debt, right? You struggling with this? Of course you are, right? Because you, you worry about money. And I'm not here to tell you, okay, um, that I have it all together. Okay, that's, if that's not... That's not me. That's not our church. That's not the culture here. I do not have it together. Uh, you should be praying for me all the time. Um, and so I'm not here to tell you, like, hey, this is what I've learned. Like, you know, be like me. No, I'm here to tell you, you know, here's, I'm going to share some, a story with you. And I'm going to tell you, you know, here's where I fail. Let's pursue Jesus together. Can we do that? Now, let me share this story here. Uh, when I left my civil engineering job to go to seminary to become a pastor, I had no income, right? The income disappears. I didn't realize this, but my health insurance disappeared too, all right? I should have thought about that one. No benefits. What do I get? Good old debt, all right? Just living by prayer like Bon Jovi, okay? So no money, no health insurance, okay? Accruing debt, what do I got? A whole lot of fear. But hey, this is where God's calling me, but still there's fear, there's stress, there's anxiety over security, comfort, value. Right about this time, that list, my blood pressure goes up. You know, I, I bought a blood pressure monitor right when I entered seminary, okay? Sleep problems, couldn't sleep. Drinking coffee, right, at night to work harder, graduate sooner so I don't have another year of debt to pay off. There's fatigue, I'm always tired. You know, I'm restless. I can't stand still and have a conversation. I've always, there's something to do. I'm looking at my phone. Mood swings, man. I'm, a, I was, I'm an emotional mess. All of that just, just goes up. I graduate, okay? The church I'm interning at, they offer me a full-time position. Awesome. But guess what? God puts it on my heart to instead come back home to the Bay Area where I was born, where I was raised, do ministry or what I call missions in the Bay Area. God provides a connection at a startup church plant in Fremont, but they can't afford to bring me on. So I got a fundraise. Jen and I are dating. She's like, interesting. So, okay. Um, dang it. Wow, two years into this, I'm invested. Right? And, and Jen's dad passed away when she was young, so we have to support her mom. So her mom is freaking out, you know? I love her mom, and, and, and she knows I share stories, and, and she's cool with it. But I remember that day. She's looking at it. She's, she's, uh, when I was asking for her, uh, Jen's hand in marriage, her mom looked at me and said, I just don't know what you see in him. You know? 
She's like, all I see is poverty, debt. Man, I'm going to, she's like, I'm going to die alone in my basement. I'm like, oh, man. We'll take care of you. She's like, I don't care. No, I don't want you to take care of me. Right? Just leave me alone. Um, and then we're moving to the Bay Area, so Jen has to find a new job. Bay Area is the least churched area in America. I'm thinking, this sounds crazy, right? He says, this is ridiculous. Jen, God's not calling, calling me to this. My parents, they're like, oh, you're coming home? That's awesome. Wait, they can't pay you? Wait, son, we love you, but don't come back. <laughs> not like this. Fear, stress, anxiety, right? On top of my high blood pressure and sleep problems and restlessness and mood swings, you know, I'm now feeling overwhelmed. I'm more irritable and angry and I'm stress eating. And pressure is on, okay? Pressure is on. Here's what I decide. And I grew up playing basketball and, you know, um, you know we, we, we ran until we fainted, right? Until we threw up, Okay. Um, failure is not an option. That's, that's just kind of how I was raised, you know. Uh, so I'm going to go hard. I'm, I'm going I'm to make this, this, this my prime years of ministry, even though if it's downhill after this, right? I'm working seven days a week, flying back and forth from different cities and states to continue to fundraise. Uh, I'm running the ministries. I'm hosting community groups. I'm preaching. I'm I'm serving the community, I'm mentoring, I'm teaching, I'm coaching basketball, I'm counseling. Jen and I, we have a, a family or a person over every night. No dates, no vacation, because you know what? I don't deserve one, right? Not until I, I finish what I start. Jenna's okay with it because she was a workaholic too back then. She's better now. Just grinding it out though, you know? Mom mentality, whoever and whatever needs my help, I'll, I'm going to give it, I'm going to do it. And a couple years into it, I just tapped out, okay? Man, I, I, I was just so stressed. Like, I was, like, not even, I was, I was getting, like, two to three hours of sleep a night, okay? Um, just going running in the middle of the night, you know? Um, got all sorts of pain everywhere. Just, I don't know what it is, right? Like, all sorts of pain. Just shoulder tendonitis, neck pain, lower back pain. Um, I'm irritable. I'm impatient. I have acid reflux. My mind is, was in a complete fog. Like, I couldn't remember names. I couldn't remember what I did yesterday. I couldn't even remember what the day was the next day. You know, I would go to church meetings, and after running it, I would sit in the corner with a drink in my hand, just kind of crying in my mind. You'll see me like that sometimes. I hit this wall. You know, I, I, I was like Googling, are you depressed? I, I need to take this test. I don't have money for counseling right now, you know? And so at the end, it just pops up. It says, sorry, you're depressed. I would take those tests all the time, and, and um, you know, I, 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 yeah, I was depressed. You know, I, I just woke up, and I said, you know what, like, I'm, I'm pretty miserable. I couldn't share this with Jen because it would make her feel bad, like I'm miserable married to her, but I had nothing to do with it. I'm like, I'm pretty miserable. Like, you know, I would close my eyes and think, man, this would just be a nice way to go out. Just wake up and, like, Jesus, see Jesus, you know? <laughs> In my preaching, all I kept talking about was depression, you know? That was my go-to application. What is sin? It's depression, right? That's what I would say. And, and uh, you know, we're going to talk about depression again today. And church members would come up to me and they'd say, wow, you, you, you know a lot about depression. Have you been reading a lot of books? I'm like, no, no, I'm depressed. And they go, oh, that's so funny. I'm like, no, no, you're not listening. I'm not funny. I'm depressed. 
sit at home, and you know, that's when I got into cage fighting. Uh, and I would just watch people just pummel each other. I'm like, man, that's nice. Like that. <laughs> Jen would be like, why are you watching this? I'm like, it makes me happy. And that's when you know you're probably depressed when the only thing that cheers you up is, you know, people assaulting each other, right? I go to my doctor for my annual checkup, and he goes, you look terrible. You're a pastor? You need a new job, right? And um, I was like, that's a great idea. I want to be a mattress, mattress tester, you know? You know, are they hiring? And I wish I could tell you a happy ending to this story, okay? Like, I got it all turned around, but I don't. And guess what? God put it on my heart to plant another church, <laughs> right? That's what happened. Oh, man. And I'm not going to go through the same story twice. You get the gist, okay? I go back to my doctor. He says, how's the ministry, pastor? I tell him, I'm planting another church. He's like, oh, my goodness. Why do my patients never listen to me? And so that's what I struggle with, right? Um, but God has been gracious to me. He's, he's saved me. He's, he's gone surgical on me, you know? I, I didn't know how much my work ethic, uh, my drive, uh, my workaholism was rooted. I didn't know how much that it was rooted in so much fear. Fear of what? Of what people will think of me, right? I don't want to be a failure. I want to be one of the, I want to be one of the guys that made it. Fear of what else? Comfort, you know? I want health insurance, okay? <laughs> I want to I be able to buy the things I want to buy and eat the things I want to eat. And what? Security, you know? What did, and, and, you know, when I was struggling with this, what, I heard, you know, what, did you, what was Jesus saying to me? You fool. You fool. And we, what we see in our text is Jesus goes in a direction that, friends, I would never have expected because I've read a whole lot of books on depression and anxiety and stress and fear, um, and, and none of them goes where Jesus goes, right? Because Jesus goes in a completely different direction. Because every book that you read, what does it say? It says you need to pay attention to yourself. You know? Like, love yourself, right? Go get a massage. Go on vacation. Say no to your boss, you know? Um, to some degree, you do need to do that. You do need to be a good steward, right, um, uh, of, your, of your body and your life. But here's the thing that Jesus gives, and no other, no other, no other uh, department of learning gives. And that is this. When it comes to your greed, when it comes to your fears and your stress and anxiety of security, comfort, and value, behavior modification does not you cannot change yourself to not worry about those things. That has been the philosophy from the beginning of time. It does not work. Do this. Don't do that. Get this. You need this, right? That's not going to free you from the worry of money and security and comfort and value and anxiety and, that, and the stress that all of that brings. Instead, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, what does Jesus say? He says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. It's beautiful. What does the world say, friends? It says, I don't care about you. I just care about what you own. I just care about what you're worth, where you live. Your life consists in your possessions. Period. But Jesus says, I don't care about any of that. 
I love you for who you are, not because you're going to turn your life around. I love you, and I'm going to give you security and comfort and value, eternal security, comfort, and value. You don't have to earn it from me. I've given it to you already. Nothing is going to change that. And then in Luke chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus says, Seek my kingdom, and these things will be given to you. Uh, This verse is not talking about material things that would be given to you. It's talking about spiritual and eternal security, comfort, and value that would be given to you. Luke chapter 12, 33 and 34, Jesus goes on, Sell your possessions and give to the need to provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for your treasure is there, will your heart be also. So friends, what is Jesus doing? He's not saying get it together. He's not saying stop being greedy. He's saying... You're focusing too much on yourself. I need you to look to me. I need you to look at Jesus and the cross and the eternal salvation and security and comfort and value and love I've given you. I need you to think about the kingdom, the eternality of that, how that's going to last, outlast any investment on this earth. And if you think about me as your perfect heavenly father, it's going to completely alter the way you face life. Now, the shift won't change our day-to-day, right? Like, I'm still a pastor. I'm still a preacher. I still work hard. But, man, I don't do it out of fear on my good days. I don't do it out of anxiety and stress on my good days. I don't do it because I'm wanting something or because I don't have something. No, I'm doing it because I have everything in Christ, and that fills my cup to pour out. I do it out of the security that God has given to me in heaven. I do it out of the perfect comfort that I'll have in heaven and the spiritual comfort that he gives me every time I hear the gospel. I do it out of the eternal value I have in the eyes of the one who is the greatest. So I'm not going to tell you uh, today to stop envying security, comfort, and value because that does not work. Behavior modification does not work. Instead, I'll tell you about the security and comfort of eternity and the value you have in Jesus. And I'm going to pray for us right now that the Holy Spirit will mold our hearts to value the treasure that is the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, what a what a tender and sympathetic and empathetic God, you are. You allow us to talk about our greed and our envy with money and the anxiety and stress of security and comfort and value. What a safe place it is to be with you because you tell us the truth, but you don't don't end it there. You don't scold us and give us a bunch of commands and you don't nag us to death. No, you you put your money where your mouth is. You didn't just talk to talk. You walked to walk. You came from heaven. You left all your glory, all your security, all your comfort and value. You were born in a manger. You had no money. People rejected you. Your friends betrayed you. Your family left you. They spit on you. They crucified you. They mocked you and scorned you. And you did all of that so that we can be eternally rich in you. 
And I pray, Father, that that would fill our hearts because this life is a blip. It truly is. But in Christ, we will be with you till eternity. But until then, you have a purpose for us. And that is to invest in everlasting things, to use what you have given us, to steward it for spiritual fellowship, for spiritual love to those who are in need. But we can't do this on our own. Every day we're going to need your help. We need the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity. So, Father, rain down your spirit on us. Shower us with your kindness, your compassion, your mercy, your generosity, your security, your comfort, and your value. In your son's name, amen.